I'm Batman. Good luck, Harry Potter. Well, cover me with eggs and flour and bake me for 40 minutes. Hello, and welcome to Screen Masters with me, Bav. Me, Fluff. And today on the show, we are going to start a retrospective look back at the Lord of the Rings movie, because this year will be the 20th anniversary, I believe. Yeah. yeah. Certainly the release of the first one was 2001, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. December think. last year was the 19th. So yeah, 20th year. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Yes, we're tiny bit early, but... We're uh, we're going for it anyway. Um, G- but... Given our release schedule and recording, you never know. <laughs> yeah, quite. We're we're trying to get back on track now. Um, so the admin. Oh no, I need to turn some words, don't I? So in yeah. in line with the episode today, I am going to turn to the words of Pippin. And say, home is behind, the world ahead, and there are many paths to tread, through shadow to the edge of night. Until the stars are all alight. Mist and shadow, cloud and shade, all shall fade. All shall fade. Which is quite possibly yeah, my favourite piece of music from yeah, all the films. It's what a I, beautiful song and beautifully put together. But anyway, that's yeah. film number three. I, I, so I, I let's love, not start there. I love that he came back and did a song in The Hobbit as well. Oh, did he? Yes, he did. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, awesome. He, I think it's the end, I want to say the end credits of the second film, which is The Desolation of Smaug. Mm-hmm. I think he does the vo- uh, He does the, the end piece, which starts the credits rolling. Hmm, so, interesting. Yeah, go back and listen. I liked it. I yeah, liked it. I do. Yeah. Um, so, yes, admin, if you want to join in the conversation, you can go to facebook.com forward slash the screen masters. Uh, you can leave a post there. You can like the comments, blah, 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 blah. You know the deal by now. Uh, you can join us on Twitter at the SM underscore pod or twitter.com forward slash the SM underscore pod. And you can go and look through the back catalogue, including the video episodes of things that we did on YouTube, if you like, which is bit.ly forward slash bite back YT. And remember, the bite is spelt as a computer bite, not a food bite. So. Before we start our discussion, which we're going to warn you in advance, may be a little bit longer than our usual catch-ups because it's been a few weeks since we actually recorded one. Um, I would just like to uh, bring all the listeners' attention to um, our new editor and give him a little shout-out, uh, as he may be listening. Um, we have a new well, he editor. He is editing it. Well, I know. If, but if he's not listening to it, then why well, no, but the uh, edit it? I don't expect him to actually have to listen all the way through. <laughs> yeah. I sort of point him towards what needs changing, but you know, usually Pete's pee break is the you know, Bav went for a whiz is is normally where we go with that. But um yes, Marcos, thank you very much for your help, sir. I don't know what we would be doing without you. Um, thank you. again to any listeners who've been there for a while. Unfortunately, COVID took down uh buyback media that we were a part of. It just couldn't sustain uh during covid uh so we uh we decided to splinter off and and continue ourselves no no hard feelings obviously it was one of those things but uh we want to keep going so we're sort of doing it ourselves and getting help from friends uh where we can to bring the show to you but certainly i'm very happy with our my good friend mark from uh, my uni days and the work he's doing for us 
Much love to you, dude. Really appreciate. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, it, apparently he was a fan before he started editing, so it's nice. It's it's nice that we've got somebody who who listened uh, to all our nonsense and uh, will possibly throw in a, a ding or two when we have a wrestling related. Yeah. <laughs> I will tell. I'd say to the listeners as well. I was dis- him when Mark was listening to the top five comedy movies. Um, he texted me his list of five before he actually started the episode. Three of them were on my list. Two of them were on your list. So I thought that I was like, "You are. We need this guy. <laughs> yeah. Like-minded individual. Good luck. That's it, mate. That's it." So I remember. I actually, you know what? I'm just going to tell a brief story, Mark. I, I recall one time where you visited, uh, and I think it was our good friend Baggy's birthday, and uh, and you lent me your pig outfit, and I went wandering down the street dressed as a pig. Christ, it I was, remember uh, that as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, thank you for that. That was a good time. Cheers, man. um so yes we're gonna get to probably only fellowship today and then the next episode will be uh the uh second two films two towers and return of the king but we'll see we plan these things and it never works quite and we've still got loads more sunny we can do as well so we might yeah and sunny rings for the next couple of episodes and see how we go so, uh, so let's. Uh, I've said so about fifteen million times now. Just get into it. Come on. So I'm going to shut up and let you start us off with the news and catch up. So I had to do that. Sorry. There has been quite a bit over the last few days. Uh, so we are now 23rd. So we're recording 23rd of January. So God knows what we're going to talk about. But even still, by then th- th- this will all still be relevant because. Everything that is going on in the world at the moment has pushed almost every movie's release back again. So we've now got James Bond, which was originally supposed to have been about a year ago now, or was it March? Well, we were that? planning a Bond episode in November last year. That was no, we no, no, no. Originally, originally, we were starting it at the beginning oh, of last Christ, year. It was April, wasn't yeah. it? And then it got pushed to November. Then it got pushed to the beginning of this year. And now we're back to the end of this year. We've now got Morbius, I've read, that has been pushed to January of next year. Uh, Basically, the release schedule of most films is completely out the window, um, given everything that's going on. So what we're finding is we're getting a backlog of films. So we are going to be, as soon as the the whole thing ends and we're all allowed to go to the cinema again, there will be a blockbuster film, practically two or three a week, the the rate that this is going. you know, they're just starting record, uh, production Sorry, on, on Thor. Uh, you know, everybody's getting together for that. We've seen most of the Guardians cast, to some degree or other, have been announced for the film in some capacity, which makes sense, given the end of, uh, of Endgame. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's kind of the big thing. You know, TV releases, our Marvel series are still coming, and a lot of stuff like that, but our big blockbuster movies... Who's to say when they're all going to come back at this point? Yeah, absolutely. It's, so that's uh, kind of, you know, the, the, that, that's the big thing, really. You know, it's everything's still being, you know, produced. They're just, the, you know, the release of a lot of it is, is unsure, which leads us obviously briefly into, you know, the success of Marvel TV shows moving forward. And let's, you know, discuss quickly the first two episodes of WandaVision. Indeed. 
So yes, as we talk to you now, there's uh, been the first two episodes. The third episode is out, but I haven't watched it, so we can't discuss it yet because I'm watching it with my daughter. Um, what? What's going on, Fluff? <laughs> Honestly, me and yeah. my twelve-year-old have sat down and we have yeah. been back and forth over what the hell's going on. Yeah. She um, is it. Yeah. My leading theory is mm-hmm. that this is in Scarlet's head. This is in the witch's head. Mm-hmm. And this is like a reality that she's created due to some sort of mental health crisis that she's had. But obviously, yeah. because she's Scarlet Witch, if she has a mental health crisis, shit can go really, really bad. Yeah. Because of her powers. Well, this is the thing. There's a lot of conjecture about this. And within the first episode, within the first two, we, won't, we this is the great thing I love about it. It's a mystery series, and I really do enjoy it. Absolutely that. is. Um, there's been so much to enjoy. Um, her powers within the film universe haven't been really fully explored. She's got telekinesis. That's essentially what we've seen. We saw in Age of Ultron where she was able to get into the minds of some of the Avengers and obviously, you know, put them in a spin. But none of that has really developed since she's become a good guy. Um, we've just seen forceful use of her abilities she went toe-to-toe with thanos he shat himself and just went suicide mission my entire army because she's taking me down she's a tough old girl but Mm, her her other abilities her reality bending abilities has not really been fully explored no you're absolutely right it's sort of she's gone to a place of uh here's some red puffy you know some red stuff from the end of my hands yeah and it does whatever we want it to do at the time yeah, I mean, I, again, because I, you know, being a huge X-Men fan and I've read so much comic book lore, uh, you know, with the her relationship with Pietro is with, with Magneto. He is their father. He's not their father. In, in most people's eyes, he's still their father, whatever, you know, all the nonsense, you know, between Fox and Marvel back, uh, you know, that's, that's, well, that's beside the point. That's one interesting thing to mention, actually, on that point, isn't it? Is that her name is listed in the beginning as Wanda Maximoff. Mm-hmm. So she's Maximoff. Yeah. Well, it, it, yeah, it's it's Eric Lencher is is Magneto. Of she it's Eric Lencher, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, it not... was Pietro and Wanda Maximoff because they yeah. were named after their mother, and then that was where the whole thing. Um, so her her comic book history is very very varied. Anyway, her abilities are very very crazy. There, we know all about House of M. If you haven't read that comic book story i wholeheartedly encourage you to go and read it um, you don't need to have known all of the marvel universe by now you've been you know you've been led to to so many of the characters you know most of the, the people anyway pick up the graphic novel and it might give you a bit of an understanding of how fragile her mental state can be um it's a fantastic read and with that yeah she can control reality this i think is a I want to say it's kind of 50-50. I don't think it's in her head. I think it is in reality, but I think it's more like Truman Show. Yeah, Eva, Eva thinks that. She yeah. thinks she's being... that Someone is manipulating her powers or has mm. tricked her into using her powers for something else, and this is like a, a holding zone that they're keeping her brain in, if you like, mm. while they're utilising her for other means. Yeah, other people around her seem to be aware, but dismissive of of what is going on hmm. um again look at the, you look at some of the evidence vision he has yeah. the mind stone in his head yes that's not possible he also kind of alternates like he he has this quizzical thing and then bounces straight back in 
I've got to give a massive shout out to Paul Bettany. What a fantastic performance he did from just doing the kind of bouncy sitcom stuff to then very, very stoic. I just thought was absolutely fantastic performance. And I think he's going to be the acting shining star, so to speak, out of this series. He just really has the chops for Potentially. it. I've got to say, in the first episode, I found him a little bit... I didn't think he was particularly fantastic at some of the comedy beats. I, I think that's... Comedy chops weren't there. The second one, yes, was a lot better because I quite liked the whole him being kind of drunk and turning into a, a, a sort of a cockney while he's talking to people. That was quite funny and he did quite well with that. Yeah, I, I think it's all... I mean, again, the the black and white of it all. Uh, I, you know, we went in this knowing bits, but not a lot. Mm. Uh, Evil was like, why is there colour? I was like, don't yeah. know. Don't know See, why that's, that's colour. That's it. It's all part of this trauma transition, whatever. Uh, and I love as well, um, in the second episode, we get... Um, so it's Vision's boss's wife uh, is, is Deborah Jo Ruff, who... I've loved because she was in, uh, she was the mum in that 70s show. And she's, she's just this fantastic sitcom actress and just watching her and just watching her bounce around. And she was so very uh, fitting as well for, for the show. For and then again, in the first episode, is it the first one? Yeah. The first one where the, the, the just really creepy moments when the bloke starts uh, just before the bloke start, his boss starts choking. Yeah. He's like, why are you here? Why are you here? Yeah. Why are you? And suddenly it's serious. Yeah. And then he starts choking, and his wife is sitting there laughing, going, "Stop it! Stop, Stop it. it! Yeah, yeah, Stop exactly. It. Yeah, yeah. Stop it! And Stop it! And this it's is like, the th- whoa. Uh, this, this is, is where we see as well that Wanda is in control of the whole situation because she looks at Vision and goes, "Okay, nobody moves, nobody does anything unless she allows it." So whether she's doing this all consciously or she's being manipulated, and that brings me to the the adverts. The uh, infomercials. Yes. Yeah, because the star yeah. fine. Yeah. Okay, that, that works. But yeah, when I saw Strucker watches, I was like, what? Yeah. yeah. What? And this is the thing. We all know that she came from, uh, you know, Strucker's show. experiments with, yeah. with the Mind Stone because it was in the Scepter. So we know a lot of this stuff. Again, it's, are they going to introduce the X-Men into this? There's still the multiverse of madness stuff that we've got to deal with with Doctor Strange. We've also not even discussed that Monica Rambeau is clearly there, but hasn't revealed herself. Um, is that who that woman is? Geraldine. Yeah. Yeah. As soon I as she I recognized the actress, but I yeah, as soon as she her. appeared, I was like, it's Monica Rambeau. And yes, that was it. I was like, okay, but she's obviously misleading it. Um, we've also got the symbols for sword. Uh, which oh, in... oh, thank you. I kept seeing that symbol and was like, I can't remember what that is. Yeah. Well, it's a sword, and I was like, oh well, that's that's for sword. Which in again in the comic books is uh, uh, one of the organizations similar to Shield, but this kind of deals with alien threats to Earth. It was first introduced in uh, Astonishing X Men. Um, yeah, and... the, uh, was it the Whedon one? Yes, it was a win run, yeah. Uh, Abigail Brand. So we may see her at some point. Fantastic character. They're doing a lot with S.W.O.R.D. in, in the X-Men uh, universe at the moment and, and some other stuff as well. So again, this is the thing. This is this is the also the thing that leads me to think that there is some kind of X-Men link here because S.W.O.R.D. was introduced in the X-Men. And the fact that they're here, I know it's another organization. We don't really have S.H.I.E.L.D. anymore. 
but we kind of do because apparently they still exist. I haven't watched Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but I know kind of that S.H.I.E.L.D. as an entity still exists. But they've obviously taken S.W.O.R.D. on instead, so, you know, we'll see. Yes, so uh, just to fill in there, as we know, S.H.I.E.L.D. is a, a ridiculous acronym. S.W.O.R.D. is the same, and I couldn't remember what it was, so I've just looked it up because I know it's hilariously shoehorned like S.H.I.E.L.D. is. It's the Sentient World Observation and Response Department. Oh, Marvel. Yeah. Um, and you know what What I love is two episodes in, everybody's kind of jumped on it and gone, yeah, this is really good. And mm. again, it's got good reviews and, and everybody seems to be loving it. And what it shows again, as we've discussed in the previous ones, about the different films, that about some of them can be comedies, uh, some of them can be action, some of them can be suspense, some of them can be, you know, thriller. And this is just showing they've gone down the sitcom route. This is not your Marvel formula. This isn't the same old thing rehashed again. And that's what I think is enjoyable about it. Absolutely. I think it's fantastic. And again, there's a bit in the second episode because I I agree. She's total. I I believe she's in control of what's happening to a degree, as you say, Um, because there's that bit at the end of the second episode where she just something happens that she doesn't like. And she goes, no. And the whole rewind thing just rewinds and then plays out differently instead. I was like, wow, that's that's really interesting. And then the whole thing changed to colour. So yeah, I look forward to the third episode tonight to see what uh, what is going to happen there. Yeah, there's again, I've, I've read so much suspicion. People are saying Mephisto's involved. Um, the, only, the only thing that I'd say is Agnes, who is the next door neighbour, the very friendly person who comes in and seems to kind of push there is a an agnes hartness in the comic books who was very instrumental with uh pietro and wanda uh raising them so again just the 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 name agnes and i was like okay so she might be something to somebody to watch out for interesting um so yeah anything else you want to go for uh what else what else has there been uh so oh mando's finished mando's yes. finished as well yes so wow mm-hmm. i think it's, it's probably all i <laughs> i can find to say right now um i don't think any of us saw the final episode coming i'm going to try and keep this fairly spoiler free yeah yeah oh yeah, yeah, yeah assuming if you're a fan you've probably seen it by now so um yeah that that twist at the end that got me that did yeah um and of course, just you know, typically pissing Disney, we do an episode rounding up all their new announcements, all their new TV shows, and then Mando finishes, and they announce the book of Boba Fett right at the yeah. end as a little surprise for us. So yeah, I think an original Boba Fett series. Yeah, which I would guess is him taking over the gangster world of Tatooine. Yeah. I don't know. That was Jabba's palace, wasn't it? At the end. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. 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 So yeah, that was Jabba's palace, and the guy who he took it over from was the weird, slimy guy from Return of the Jedi, and obviously mm. Jabba died in Return of the Jedi, so he clearly just took over because Jabba was dead, and now yeah. he's dead. So you know, circle of life. Yeah. Um, but phew, I mean, as a series, Mando was just phenomenal, really. It, Absolutely. Ah, um, oh, yeah, it was just so enjoyable, so so enjoyable. Uh, just looting some of the threads letting them just dangle for, for a potential season well we know season three um but also bringing some of the unity um the stuff with the dark saber 
interesting. And I think that's perhaps the crux in some ways of, of season three. Uh, Grogu, you know, breaks your freaking heart. Um, Pedro Pascal, you know, we've had this whole thing about him, like having to wear the helmet for the entire time. And, you know, people going, oh, well, he takes it off. He, he needs to, he wants to take it off more. No, no, no. It's befitting the character. That's but when it. he does. Only when it's necessary. Only when but it's that's super- it. That's it. When when it actually requires it. And to, just the emotion of it all. I was like, oh, dude, you're breaking my fucking heart. You handsome bastard. You break my heart. You <laughs> son of a bitch. Pissing me off. Um, it was just phenomenal. I think, you know, the, the, the reception of the ending, I think of the series in general, has been fantastic. It's been very well done by John Favreau. And this is, you know, I still laugh and I go back. This is the guy that I watched do swingers. And I was like, this guy's like, wants to be like a massive Hollywood guy. Like, really? And I look at him now and I just think, dude, you really fucking made it. You, you know, doing some of the Marvel stuff, doing the, uh, you know, the Star Wars stuff, having Dave Filoni as his right hand man as well, which is, is, is kudos. Very well done. The praise that everybody has, has, has had about it just speaks volumes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. He's a, they're, they're a good team, I think, to be driving the, the universe forward. I look forward to see what they're going to come up with in the next season. And uh, and I'm interested in the Boba Fett one as well. I'd be interested to see. I did in all of them, really. This is the point. They've in, reinvigorated my interest in the Star Wars universe. Yeah, I, I you know, it's the, 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 the films. We've did, we go back, everybody, if you haven't already, listen to the butchering of the, you know, Star Wars sequel trilogy. Um, the massacre that is. Yeah, the massacre that is. Um, and, and that completely destroyed my interest in, in Star Wars to a degree. And then The Mandalorian came out. I was like, oh, is there a glimmer of hope? I'm at the end of season two and I'm like, I've seen Ahsoka Tano. I know, I know that the, I know we're going to get to Torn. I know that we're going to get to Ezra Bridger. I know this, is, this shit is going to happen, which is great because that's, that's, you know, that's the story I want to see. I'm not, you know, the, the sequel trilogy did nothing for me, but this has reinvigorated my Star Wars interest. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. Um, so yeah, unfortunately, as a result of the number of weeks we've been, uh, yeah, my Sci-Fi Friday has stopped as well now because none of the shows are on. <laughs> so Mando stopped, and Discovery has also finished. Um, I know you won't have seen season three yet. I don't think no, you've not yet. seen season two. Um, I very much enjoyed season three. Um, it was uh, a bit more of a throwback to old Trek. The only problem that I had was kind of the end of it. Uh, no, no spoilers. Uh, it ended on kind of a three-parter story. Okay. Um, there, there was like a two-parter and then there was a three-parter. Um, whereas the majority of the rest of the season are kind of in individual episodes, which I heartily enjoy. That's that you know that's sometimes the best trek for me is those single episodes where yeah you can go back and rewatch. Yeah, it's part of a greater all story because they always are now. But you can also just enjoy the episode. Um, but I, I, it fell down a little bit for me towards the end because it was multi-part episode. Sometimes that, you know, but still very, very enjoyable. Looking forward to seeing how Trek moves forward for a number of reasons. Won't reveal those because you haven't watched it. But mm. yes, yeah, so I'm a Sci-Fi Friday stopped. However, right. however, the Expanse started again. Back oh in yes, of course. December. I forgot about that one. So now I've only got two. We've only got two more weeks to go. This shows, you know, since when it started to, to now. Yeah, 
so if I go first, I mean, I'm the more I think about the series, I'm not quite up to date yet. But the more I think about it week on week, I think this might be my favourite series so far. In terms of the way it's working, it's the first series I feel where we've had uh, the, the sort of the main plot point given to us right mm-hmm. from the beginning, and that's what we're driving towards. And that was our sort of big crux of mid-season, I would have said, maybe. I don't know how long it's going to be, but you know, the whole thing with the, 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 the asteroids and stuff. Mm-hmm. When I knew we were going with that as our main thread, I was like, oh, that's such a fucking interesting idea. Mm. And then, you know, the way it just develops from there, and we're all this work, you know, it, it's I guess it's getting some of the payoff from all you've invested now. So you, you've invested in the characters of Naomi and all these people, and now we're finally exploring Naomi's son and who he is and who his dad is and how it came about and how that affects her and how what how it affects her affects the Rossi. Um, I love that we've still got Avasarala because I love her. She's brilliant. I was gutted towards the end of last season when I thought I might not have her anymore. And then she was still in it. So I was like, yay! Um, and obviously, you know, bits that she does as it goes on are just fantastic um yeah i i'm absolutely loving it it is it is a proper look forward to every week definitely yeah i i mean i can heap the praise on the expanse that i've been heaping on it for years now um and i will because it's so fun to do um no it's it's been phenomenal this series the journey that these guys have been on now since the since the first series to now has just been fantastic i can't uh you know i can't necessarily pick a, a favorite series the the lull for me uh was i think in season three where uh elizabeth mitchell's character comes in and yeah. she gets all very preachy i'm yeah. not a huge fan of her anyway she, she always kind of seems to come into series and fuck them up for me but like yeah i think we discussed that in our experience <laughs> yeah i think we did um so that was the only kind of lull in a sense of the non rossi story uh throughout that the 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 rossi crew has just been phenomenal throughout this series having every single member of that team being separate was heartbreaking because i want the rossi team to be together yes yes i I, yeah i agree with that but it also makes me love the connection that they have for one another because they're in other parts of the system uh, so let's just, I'm, I'm just, it's you know, Holden is is holding the fort, so to speak, you know, with the Rossi, um, at Tycho with Fred. Won't say too much because I don't know how far you're in at this point. I'm I'm past that bit. Okay, heartbreaking. Fred. Yeah, heartbreaking. Very different to the books as well, which I'm okay. loving. The the changes that they've made from the books is fantastic because I'm I'm still surprised, and that's what I really love about this. I can be surprised. I don't, having read the books and then suddenly watching the TV series, like the Red Wedding with Game of Thrones, everyone was like, ah, yeah, I've read it ages ago and yeah. whatever. This is very different because they do make the changes. Um, so Holden is kind of holding the Rossi and, and trying to keep himself. He doesn't have a crew. He doesn't have his crew. He's just got to kind of put this makeshift crew together and he can't necessarily you can see the mistrust that he has he's looking at these people like belters he's already been betrayed by them and he doesn't know who to trust he, he's missing his crew Amos is in Earth 
we've got him going and seeing Peaches. Here's little interactions with Avra Sarala, um, where uh, where he calls her Chrissy, and she's like, "Don't call me that." Just plays well, so well, uh, because again, in the books, he loves just doing a calling her Chrissy, and she's like, she secretly loves it, but just yeah. tells him that she hates it, you know, because that's the way it is. Everything that's going on with him um, and Peaches down on Earth, wow! Just again, developing yeah. him as a character. I know you're loving that. I know you're loving that because he's oh, your yeah, favorite yeah. character. He's, he's our with... friend Gab's favorite character as well because he, you know he's like, oh, um, it's it's a bit with him and Tiny, yeah, <laughs> but where he suplexes him down the fucking hole. I yeah. fucking loved that. Yeah, of all the things, absolutely fucking of loved all it. the things wrestling reference there. Um, yeah, just uh, yeah, German, German suplex. Boom, there you go. Right down, loved it. Loved it. Um, um, yeah, no, that's yeah. fantastic. And like you say, yes, Amos, uh, I, I really enjoyed the arc he's going through because there was a bit, I think, in maybe the last episode I watched or something where he's like, I've been away too long. That was, that was a book. Yeah, can he feel himself starting to yeah. become the quote unquote monster bad guy yeah. that he feels he is underneath. Yeah. But when he's with Holden, Holden keeps him in check. It's that, that conversation he's having. Uh, with with Melba, I call her Peaches because that's what he calls her. Yeah, when yeah. he's having that conversation. I totally forgot about Peaches when he got yeah. in there and called her Peaches. I was like, "Who the fuck's Peaches?" And then yeah. remembered who Cause, it was. Yeah. Just because having read the book, he calls her Peaches all the time, so it becomes yeah. so much easier. But that conversation where you know she's talking about the fact that she just mauled the shit. You know, she's activated a implant. She's yeah. mauled the crap out of the guy, and Amos has just stood there completely butt naked. For all the ladies, I'm sure that must have been a treat to watch Amos strip basically down to the bar. Um, and he's just covered in blood and he's just kind of stood there. And then they have this conversation afterwards about the monster inside. And then he's like, I need to get the fuck back to my crew. I need to get home. I need to be with the people that, that manage me and keep me in check, yeah, so to speak. God. Um, Alex is off with Bobby on a mystery mission. Um, yep. um I'm of two minds of it. It's, it's obviously difficult because I know uh, the Kassanvar will not be coming back for season yeah, six. Yeah, I know. Understandably, uh, as a, a result of allegations made against Um it, It's just heartbreaking because of the character. Of, yeah, uh, see, I like Alex. He and is Alex, but... It is. I hope and I trust that they'll deal with it appropriately is all I can really say. Um uh, so it's a bit heartbreaking to see his story it will possibly not complete so to speak uh but again him bobby just bobby just accepting like mars is dead mars you know no, no, we can't do anything mars is completely corrupt and the idea and what mars stood for to try and develop itself all the businesses are going out of you know all of the vacancy signs that alex sees at one point everybody's abandoning mars mars is no longer an option there's worlds out there through the ring gates that have life already on them. You don't need to create it. It's already there. You don't so, need to terraform. You don't need to do any of the yeah. hard work, do you? And Mars is not the, the big shiny new thing anymore. No. And selling all of its assets off, basically, you know, to Anarius's free navy. He's basically, you know, they're just giving giving all the ships away with the promise, hopefully, that they get proto-molecule. Uh, you know, all I say is keep an eye on, on Mars. That's not the end just yet. And then we've got Naomi. Um, and honestly, 
uh, Dominique Tipper's performance in the last two episodes alone. You may not have seen this week's. Uh, the episode previous, you probably will have done, uh, where she's dealing with her son and dealing with the emotional ramifications of everything that's kind of happened between her and Marcos and stuff like that. Just I was on the edge of my seat because it was an emotional episode, heavily emotional episode. A lot of them have been. Uh, but her performance alone was fucking fantastic, I thought. And then this week's, I was just like, ah, oh, go for that girl on award. She's just absolutely brilliant. Um, and that's the thing. I've read the books and I'm still the one sat on the edge of my seat and I'm tense as shit watching this. But, you know, so because of the performance that the people are doing. I, I just love this fucking show to death. And I'm just so sad that we're only going to get one more series. And I've only got two more weeks left of, of watching it. And then that's it. My sci-fi weeks are done, everybody. No more sci-fi. No more sci-fi for God knows when. Yeah, Luffy's who knows? Luffy's sad. Luffy is sad. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I've also finally finished The Boys. Um, yeah, The Boys. Oh, God. It I, know, yeah. I know. I know. That's just me being slow. I, and like I say, I, oh, man, I just... I just had to get away from it a couple of times because it's just, I describe it as, um, you know, so going back to Game of Thrones, forgetting that everyone hated it by the end, but remember when we all liked it and like you say, the Red Wedding yeah, leading up to that and, you know, how much we all fucking hated Joffrey and mm. week on week on week. And I'm sure the character is in there for this reason, because you just sit there watching him going, Fuck, I want him to get his comeuppance. He needs to get his comeuppance. I can't handle it now. He's getting away with too much shit. He's killing too many people that I like. He needs to get his comeuppance. He needs to be stopped. And I, I felt like that about Homelander all the way through season two. I was just like, <laughs> I cannot watch Homelander be this bigger fucking knob and get away with it anymore. I yeah. cannot do it. And I remember feeling like that when I read the comics as well. That Like, shit, this guy, they better win. Yeah. You know, they better beat this guy because yeah. I can't have this guy win. That's no good. Um, I felt that the second series was slightly... I don't know. I felt it was a little bit, I want to say directionless, but I, I know it wasn't. But what I mean by that is that there was no sort of, you know, within the first two episodes, we'd established where we were going to go. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, it's like I said with the expanse, you know, with the beginning of the series, we're shown the asteroids and everything. So, okay, mm-hmm. right, that's way for my son to disappear. I know you do, you say that you won't now, but unfortunately, you're going to do it. And mm-hmm. watching, uh, again, we've had the luxury of reading the comic books, which are, are still fantastic, fantastic, vicious and vulgar as shit in places, oh, and yeah. very, very awkward in places as well, but very enjoyable. Um, we're, we're seeing a very different version of Butcher here than we have there. Yeah. Um, he has a bit more of a heart um, because he doesn't, by the end of this, we see his compassion towards her son, not because he's a soup, but because it's her son yeah. by that point. The woman which, who loves son. Yeah, which we wouldn't have necessarily, I don't think, seen in the comic book as we here, mm. have here. True. Um, so there was that one story. There was obviously Huey and Annie. There was always going to be that story because it it was just a continuation. How are they going to develop? You know, how is he going to be separate for her? Um, 
and then the other one was Kimiko, uh, was you know her story. So I felt that there were three, and then we obviously had Stormfront thrown in. Yeah, the mix, and the Stormfront and... Liberty and all that stuff in the background. Yeah, um, which was fantastic because again they changed as they always should do. They changing plots from the comic books and stuff like that, so that we are surprised and you know showing how old she was, and then being very much herself to Homelander and then him and her just banging in one of the most awkward sex scenes oh, I think I've no. ever seen. That was Yeah, just... that, that was an episode that after I watched it I had to I had to go away for a little bit. I was like I can't yeah. watch another one of these at the minute. And this is this goes back to actually something we discussed before in, in previous pods as well. About everybody was moaning when this came out. Um and people were going I'm not going to, you know, to hell with this show. I'll wait until it's all in one. And I, I think I've, I've appreciated more, again, with The Expanse, with Discovery, with Mando, with WandaVision, with all of them now, I'm appreciating the time it takes between watching one episode to another because I can digest what I've seen. And with The Boys, oh my God, was that so more important. Mm. I'd get to the end of an episode and the shock value of one thing after another after another, you know, at the end of it, it made me go, I need to think about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's it. As a um, whole, I think it was just a fantastic series. And, uh, you know, yeah, there was a, a few uh, strings which were left and, uh, you know, we will obviously pick up. Mm. Um, Anthony Starr, though, as you say, the, 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 Fantastic the guy's incredible. I, I Absolutely. Never thought, I never thought he was, you know, again, I, I've mentioned before, he was, I, I first saw him in Banshee, which was a, a real sort of B-movie type TV show. It was very entertaining, but it, it, you know, it wasn't a serious TV show. But, you know, he was just a basic character in that. He wasn't anything too fantastic. You didn't really get to see a lot of range out of him. But, but <laughs> again, you watch him in that and you watch him in this and it's... Uh, it's a whole different ball game. It's it's the 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 quiet menace. I think mm-hmm. is a a difficult thing to pull off for some people to yeah. to look so so <laughs> smiley and welcoming, but then you look into their eyes and you can see the threat. Yeah, yeah. There's the thing. At times, I'm like, I want to feel compassion for you because you've been screwed up and blah blah blah. You're just such a horrible person. Yeah. Like. Uh, and it just, I think it just sums it up. His his final act of the series, which I absolutely, you know, I just, just cracked me up. And he's just stood on a rooftop at the end of the last episode, just masturbating away going, I can do whatever I want. Yeah. Oh, Christ, I'd forgotten that. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ, you're right. There you go. He's just there saying it go. over and over again, yeah. isn't he? Yeah. Fuck. Just out of wank, just I can do whatever wank. I want. It's it's hilarious, really, because it's kind of like an anti-Batman. But and uh, well, yeah, I don't know whether you've read this, but um, the the obviously the writers and, and guys behind it have announced because loads of people have been dissing them uh, for a while, and they're going to do Hero Gasm, uh, which was a, if you recall, a, I, I think it was a six issues like spin-off of of the boys. It basically told the story of. All of the superheroes um, go into uh, an island in the middle of paradise and basically just fucking their brains out against whores galore, essentially. Um, and they've basically said, yeah, we've welcomed the challenge. 
we're doing it in season three. <laughs> yeah, I remember that that graphic novel. Yeah, I really, really remember that one <laughs> because that was the where the debauchery was just. I'd never seen anything like it in the pages mm-hmm. of a comic book when I was reading uh, it. I will be interested to see if if they take the same approach in mm. TV series. It? It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. It will. Uh, right. Last couple of things then. Obviously, I did say, everyone, this yeah. was going to be a slightly longer recap. Yeah. Because looking at it, actually, we haven't recorded since December 15th. Yeah, it's been a while. So um, a couple of films. That yeah. I have seen then. One that I forgot to discuss with you last time that I had actually watched. Won't take long. New Mutants. Yeah. So Lockheed's a puppet, is he? That, that, is that what we're saying? He was a puppet for most um, of the film. Uh, what? Um, what the fuck? Why did we do move that? Move on. Move on. Anyway. Um I, I you know, to be to be fair to it, <laughs> I would I would agree with the statement of the great Mark Kermode. It wasn't terrible. I couldn't tell you anything positive about it, but it wasn't terrible. Um, and Tenet. Ah, he's finally got round to it. It only took him a long Still, time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I watched it shortly after the last episode we recorded, but um, sure. yeah. Yeah. So, I need to find another three hours to watch that film again. It's fine. Um, this is good like, because... Uh, he's like, I think I get it. Yeah. But then I'm like, I'm not sure I do. Because I... sort of in my head, what I understand about reversing time and stuff doesn't work the way it worked in that film. No. So I think I need to watch it again to understand the way that he's saying it works to yeah. see if that's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Don't get me wrong. As, uh, as a kind of big blockbuster film, uh, it, it was enjoyable. Performances, great all round. Uh, yeah. Made me look at Robert Pattinson and go, my judgment of you as Batman, I will retract, good sir. I shall yeah. retract. Yeah, let's and wait and see. He can. Act. I will wait Fair and enough. see. Um, I thought he was fantastic in this. Adam, I'm not a tweener, so I don't watch all of the the, the vampire nonsense and all this shit. So I've only really seen him in like Potter. Uh, and he was in like one bloody film and he died. So, yes, oh shit, did I just spoil it? Ah, oh, for those of you who haven't seen Potter and... What the fourth Potter film? Yeah, yeah if you haven't seen now. it by now, kids, shit. Sorry. Um, <laughs> performances all, all around, fantastic. Um, David Washington. I'd seen him. You know, it took me a while. Took me a while. I finally realised where I'd seen him in Ballers with The Rock. Yeah, he was. Yeah, uh, yeah, an arrogant uh, random, bastard in that. I think his name was. And Randy, I it took no me, Ricky Ricky Jarrett. Ricky Ricky Jarrett. Yeah, there you go. Uh, and it took me ages to remember who he was, and I was like, ah. and I thought yeah. back then. The, the guy who played him was good, and I didn't realize until I'd seen this. And I was like, David Washington, wait a minute, you're Denzel Washington's son. Yes, he is Denzel Washington's son. So, is I was he? Like, yes, he is. I didn't even put that together. Fuck, he's, yeah. he's Denzel's son. Denzel's son. Wow, lush, yeah. nice, that's cool. Yeah, awesome. Um, I didn't know. Uh, that. Thank you. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah, you learn something <laughs> every day. Uh, it's because I'd, I'd read an interview or something with Denzel talking about his son uh, being an actor as well that they had, and I, I don't think he was like, "No, we've no plans to kind of do anything." But you never know. And then uh, it, 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 he was talking about his father and his, and I was like, "Hang on a minute, I'm putting two and two together." <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's Denzel's son. So yeah, um, Elizabeth Debicki I thought was really, really good. Oh my god. 
fell in love with that woman a little bit in this in this movie. Jesus, she is just a little, just a little. She's a, a stunning woman. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. I was, you know, I was like hot for her when she was in Guardians too, like all dressed in the gold. I was like, <laughs> um, but ooh, yeah. Um, uh, Alexandra Daddario is still top of my tree at the minute. I'm afraid. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, yeah. Kenneth Branagh was good, but a bit underwhelming for me uh, 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 yeah, to no. a certain degree. Um, it was enjoyable, but I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to turn around and go, yeah, it's his best work. No, no it's not. It, it's not because I couldn't hear half the film as well. And that is a criticism that may bother other people. But I, I heard that a lot. You know, yeah. I I did not experience that myself. I don't oh, I know really why. Did. Maybe I had it turned up really loud or something. I honestly don't know why, but I, I, I felt I could hear everything that was being said. I didn't feel I missed anything. Mm. I mean, I went. You, I obviously had the luxury. I went to the cinema just before yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. lockdown two, three point whichever we're on now. Um, so I was lucky enough to go. Um, I, I think I remember saying back then that the thing that pissed me off, and you know, I went to the cinema and I was like, guys, I used to work here. The screen is not in size, and they came in and I'm like, no, 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 it's fine. And I'm sat there, and the whole film it detracted away from the actual film itself because it was not in scope for me. So. But the sound for me in the cinema also wasn't great. There were mm. points where they had the masks on. And I was like, I have no idea what you're saying. And then coming out and seeing the opinions that everybody was saying the same, I was like, not just me then, not just me. I know he experiments and I know that Nolan likes to play with certain things, but I'm like, dude, we had the major problem when nobody could hear Bane, apparently, which is why you had to change that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that yeah, just that sounds my pressure you know, yeah, it sounded more like Jabber because you would cover it. <laughs> and that was it. It was like, whoa, whoa. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Um, and <laughs> I forgot. Sorry, I've derailed you. Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I will admit, visually stunning. Uh, the the yeah. plane scene and stuff like this, great. Uh, I've still seen be- uh, stuff from him. So I think this was an experimentation. Of sorts in some places with the whole trying to do the whole back time thing. Um, not his best work, is all I can say. I no, still I, thought it was a fantastic film, but I think it's a really, work. really interesting idea. Fantastically yeah. done, looks incredible, like you say. Part of me is worried that this one, the problem with this one is that it's actually the story isn't that tricky, but he's used a gimmick to make it seem more confusing than it actually is. It, I, and I worry that, you know, because I think you could accuse him of that in other films, like Memento. Memento is a fairly simple story when you tell yeah. it chronologically, yeah. but you put the gimmick of telling it backwards in, and suddenly it's a far more interesting, intricate film that's, you know, that stands a level above. Yeah. Um, you know, Inception, to a degree, has that sort of twist bit in it where you find something out you know i i, I worry yeah. that he likes a little gimmick like dunkirk is about the only one i can think of that doesn't have a gimmick but it kind of does because he splits the story into three parts and then tells it over three different periods of time doesn't he a day a week uh what is it a week a day and a an hour hmm. from the three different perspectives so he does use a gimmick to make that story more interesting and i i, I just for me this one maybe the gimmick was a little bit too uh, shone a little bit more than the actual film did. Because mm-hmm. um, again, I don't even think it makes... 
I, I feel like there's another part. Yeah, it certainly feels like this was the end, one it... film and there's another film because you, you, Patterson's uh, character's interactions with Washington's character, it's, you know, everyone by the end of it kind of goes, well, actually, he's known him the whole time because he recruited him and that's what he knew what drink he wanted right at the start, not because of blah, 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 but because he's known him forever. This then pro- creates the problem for me about the concept of time in this because you got, I know it sounds it's it's, it's going to be a really obscure reference in throwing it go back to our red dwarf episodes where we discuss this backwards the concept of time going backwards like so we've got this interjection of time going forwards and backwards you know again like are there any physical ramifications from you going forwards to backwards do you start to de-age and that kind of thing starts mm. to play into my mind a little bit and i'm like so I want another episode, another episode, another episode in this story to try and understand how he's come about with this theory of moving backwards and stuff like that, because it's not fully explained to me. I don't feel that no, there's a sensibility I, to it. I think the, if I'm remembering rightly, I think they would argue that their explanation for it is, oh, well, because uh, they say something about like, you're going forwards but the world around you is going backwards or something there's something mm. that means that you yourself are okay when the backwards crew land for the final push they're running forwards yeah and they're backwards in time shouldn't they be yes. running backwards yes this is my point that's the bit that i don't understand yes i need to the, there are elements of this that i don't that don't because we talk, we talk, you know, we, we, we judge things on the on basis of reality. Okay, explain the physics of this to me then. Mm. We've talked about uh, Interstellar, and he goes into the whole fucking thing about yeah. Interstellar. He's very intricate about this. Yeah. And you've just dismissed the physics of everything now. You go into a tunnel, just spin it around, and now you're backwards in time. Explain this to me. Yeah. How is that working? Yes. Yeah. So, no, yeah. Exactly. Because again, they look for the image coming out before you go in, because then you know you're okay. So if the image is coming, oh no, no. It, but it then that's it. That's it blows, this is the problem with it. It blows my mind, and it's not a plot that blows my mind. It's the mechanics of what Temporal he's doing mechanics. that blows Temporal my mechanics, mind straight away. If and that's already occurred, then it's predetermined. Exactly. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah. This is what I need to know. So weird. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, I'm done well, there. Anything else? One other film um, I'll touch on um, is uh, The Midnight Sky. Don't know if you've seen it yet. Uh, no, not heard of it, actually. Okay. Uh, it's the George Clooney film uh, okay. that was out on Netflix on Christmas Eve, I believe. Okay. Um, I won't say too much about it because I didn't know whether you had or not. Um, so it's directed by Clooney. He is starring in it. Uh, Felicity Jones is in it as well. Yeah. Um, the The simple story of it is Earth is uh, not in a good state uh, in, in terms of the climate of Earth is is becoming unstable. So there is a science team uh, which has been sent out to uh, one of Jupiter's moons in order to determine if human life can live there on a permanent basis, basically because the polar Earth is fucked. That's kind of the crux of the film. Uh, so uh, George Clooney is a character who is in a research station on Earth while everybody else has kind of abandoned it. And then we've got Felicity Jones and a number of crew in space. And I don't want to say too much, but uh, it's been a bit of a mixed review thing. I really enjoyed it. Um, 
I don't mind uh, these kind of stories where there's not a huge ensemble cast. It reminded me very much of Io, The Last on Earth, which we touched on previously. Um, that kind of end of the world, everybody kind of abandons Earth kind of scenario. Very, very similar. Small cast. Uh, there's a couple of twists and turns and things like that. I really enjoyed it. I, I don't know. Like, loads of people have been a bit critical over it. I quite enjoyed it because I it is a bit of a sci-fi film a bit of a drama a bit suspenseful in places um but I also enjoyed it because we haven't been able to enjoy new films for quite some time now as weird as that may sound new good films and to watch a new film which I haven't seen you know we have I'm trying to think of the last new film that I'd watched Tenet was probably it uh mm. you know to sit down and watch a new film, uh, just I just got engrossed in it, fully engrossed, and I think that may be why I enjoyed it a little bit more than perhaps I should have done. Um, but I really quite enjoyed it. But I, again, I O the Last on Earth, that kind of post-apocalyptic Earth scenario, I don't know. It always intrigues me a little bit, just yeah. to see what you know. I had this conversation with my mum because she watched it, and we were discussing it, and she was like. Uh, you know what, what you know about the possibilities and things like this. I love it because me and my mum are very have these great conversations now that we're you know I'm a little bit older and we talk about stuff like this. And I was just like, this is why I keep saying to you, humanity needs to get off Earth because this planet goes, we're we're screwed. And uh, and she's like, yeah, I'm just I'm beginning to see. It. And it was just a, you know, and it just makes me laugh because I can have these conversations and you know, yeah, you watch this and you go, yeah, we need, we need to get off Earth, guys. Because this could happen. Like, seriously, this could happen. Interesting. Hard to keep my eyes open. Yeah. No, no, no. It is uh, it is on Netflix. Um, it's probably dropped out of the top 10 now. Mm-hmm. Like Bridgerton, whatever Bridgerton is. About yeah, I've it. got no idea. Queen's Gambit. That's another one people have been talking about. Yeah. Which, <sighs> apparently. I tried. I watched the first episode and then I started on the second and I just went, I get why people are intrigued in this. It's just not my cup of tea. I'm sorry. Fair enough. Um, um, yeah, no. I might get, I might try and revisit it at some point. Isn't Bridgerton actually? Isn't that like a an American Downton or something? No, it's a British version. It's just oh, it is uh, yeah. As far as I'm aware, it's British. It's um, the only uh, the, the I say the controversial thing everybody kind of talked about is that uh, ethnic minorities uh, were actually cast in normal roles instead of going oh let's whitewash you know and just put everybody and so everybody's just like embraced the fact that it's multi ethnic. In which, you know, for period dramas, every single one that you've seen has been an all-bloody-white cast for as long as you can go back. And this is absolutely uh, expanded the horizon. So, yeah, for that, for inclusion, I love it. But it's not why it's never going to be my cup of tea. I didn't watch Bloody Dance and Abbey. I'm not going to watch this. No. Let's move to the main topic, then. And let's talk a little bit about The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. So, both of us... My bow. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember that? My axe. And my bow. And my bow. So, um, just, uh, just, I'm going to say this briefly. Um, so, a little bit of history as well. Uh, so, it would be 19 years ago now that you and I met because we, uh, you know, I started at the cinema. And um, from when I started... Uh, there were obviously a number of trailers on certain films. So when we were cleaning screens or whatever, certain trailers would pop on. And the Lord of the Rings one would, would pop on from time to time. And there was just the bit at the trailer where, you know, they're just like, you've got my sword and my axe. 
And then Orlando Bloom would always just be, and my bird. So yeah. it just became a running joke for us. So, um, exactly. But that just, again, when I, I think about this film and I go, it's 19 years old, that just makes me go, shit, I've known you. Yeah, crazy. Years. Crazy, yeah. isn't it? 19 years. Yeah. It's insane. Well, yeah, 20 years by the time we get to December. But yeah, uh, yeah. just, it's so crazy. But yeah, I my daughter's old enough to watch it now. So I thought, okay, let's see whether she's interested. She'd heard a bit about it. So, okay, fine. Um little anecdote based around that we watched uh obviously we're talking extended versions here guys you might as well um so we're watching the extended version which is obviously two blu-ray discs for the film and we got to the <laughs> it took us two nights to watch the first disc in two one-hour sittings and then when we got to the end of the second disc at uh, the end of the first disc, she was like is that the end i don't feel like it ended i was like either that's that's we're halfway through the film love like that's only halfway through the first <laughs> film. Like, now we're on disc two now, yeah. um, and then that took us another two nights to watch. So yeah, each one takes us about four days to watch because yeah. we watch it in bits and pieces. Apologies if anyone heard that bang. I've just pulled a leg out from my table and made all my equipment nearly fall on the floor. So that was great. Um, yeah, so it's been funny watching it with her and how she thinks of it. It's because I'd not read the books. Had you read the books before it came out? Yeah, I'd, yeah. I'd read them, but I couldn't fully remember them because I'd read them. My brother uh, had got The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings. Um, and so I'd read them, but I didn't necessarily digest them fully. So I, I knew the intricacies of the story, but obviously it completely changes when it comes to the films anyway, to, to a certain degree. Yeah, bits and pieces do, don't they? So I'm led to believe. Um yeah, I think she struggles with some of the names to start with, which is mm-hmm. fair enough. And I'd forgotten about the whole thing with Aragorn, because I just know him as Aragorn now. But of course, he's Strider. He's Strider to start with, and then they call him. No, is it Strider and then Aragorn? It's like yeah, they call names. him Strider to start with. Yeah, and then they call him Aragorn because they get to you know essentially the name. But yeah, no, they he... say he's a, that's it. They say he's a ranger to start with. Then they find out his name's Strider. Then. It's Aragorn. So that's the bit which she, she was like, what, what? Are they all the same person? I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's Aragorn, but he's been hiding, so he's called himself something else. Yeah. It's fine. They are all the same person. Um, but yeah, I... It, it, it's interesting watching it. I think she's enjoying it. I think she wants to see where it's going. Um, she was uh, suitably affected by uh, Boromir's death at the end and sure. understood... Because that was another thing, you know. Do you, do, do does a modern audience understand his sort of his arc? Because he has that arc throughout yeah. the film of you know being uh, being good and then sort of being bad, and then uh, he's getting overwhelmed by the power of the ring, and then he realizes his mistake and hates himself for it, and ends up sacrificing himself to save uh, Merry and Pippin, or to try and save them anyway. Yeah, and I mean, it's not going to touch on it because it will come to it in a second, but I feel the luxury of the extended editions is that in the second, um, you get a little bit more of a sense of that uh, because of the pressure that his father puts upon him. Yes, quite. When we when we go to that and we see Gondor, you're absolutely correct, yeah. Yeah. So um, uh, again, yeah, you, you see this whole thing because as soon as he sees it, he's like, oh, See, he, he, when you see Fellowship now, you see his father speaking. He's like, this is an opportunity. We can take this. And 
it's not necessarily Boromir speaking, you know, it's his, it's his father's wishes. Um, and that's it. He was just like, you know, when he finds out who Aragorn is and he's a bit affronted by it, but by the end, he's just like, I would have followed you. Like, he, he is a, uh, at heart, he's a Gondorian. Yeah, that's He it. wants to serve his king. He doesn't want to be king. He wants to serve his king. He wants to be a soldier. He wants to be defending and stuff like that. And yeah, yeah the the tension that goes through. And again, it's a Sean Bean death. Who doesn't love a Sean Bean death? Oh, you got to have him, man. you got to have him. Um, yeah, I mean, okay, so let's let's segue into the cast then. I mean, obviously, the the stories are famous, and again, guys, I don't want to spend too long on this these films, but I do think it's interesting to look back on them twenty years mm-hmm. later and see see how they stand up. But you know, I'm under no illusions that we've got anything new to add to the conversation because there's ridiculous box sets out there with like twelve hours of fucking bonus material on each yeah. disc that I've still yeah. not watched. So from, you know. from what I've looked, there are still weekly podcasts that discuss it on a daily, you know, weekly Jesus basis. So like, yeah, exactly. It's That's still insane. a massive thing. Um but yeah, let's let's talk about the triumph of the cast. I, I, I still think Orlando Bland is still probably the most <laughs> annoying person in it, I think for me. Uh, yeah, he's. I, I, I don't I just, like his performance. I think he's wooden as shit. What I'm is the, the the hysterical thing for me is that you juxtaposition this performance to what he does in The Hobbit, and I'm just like, what happened, dude? Like, you yeah. knew the character that you were, and you just went. Um, it feels like he was a hardened wanker to begin with, and he softened very much by this. Yeah, yeah, you know that if you, if you do that um i i think as an ensemble cast i think that's that's the key for me this is an ensemble cast mm. the love and admiration that they have for one another you've seen i've seen uh the you know couple of get-togethers and, and they get together from time to time and you know they take their you know they take a picture and they put it online they're like yeah you know the fellowship's meeting up the fact that they've all got a tattoo you know that they share and stuff like this wasn't elijah wood the only one who didn't get it I'm not entirely sure who did or did. I, I as far I think, as I understand, I think, it, yeah, the, the fellowship all went and got cut together, didn't they? Yeah, I'm damn sure there was one member, and I I feel it was Elijah Wood, who didn't get the tattoo. Ah, uh, okay. But everyone else, yeah. Did. But yeah, um, like you it, say, that ensemble cast nine people, yeah, and you've got the likes of, uh, you know, Ian McKellen, Hugo Weaving, Sean Bean, yeah, Orlando Bloom, who all right, I may not like, but at the time was coming up as he was sort of that he, era he was a relative, yeah Gosling he was relative almost. nobody until you he know was pirates and then sort of distant pirates wasn't it that, that got him in um yeah uh, uh jonathan reese davis i've always got oh, time for i love him in the indiana jones film Stray and obviously as gimli he's incredible he's brilliant. i just know him from sliders you know that <laughs> that was originally where i was like yeah, brilliant and um, then you've got yeah. the the four younger lads um yeah, you know, the, the the four younger hobbits. Shit, I've forgotten. Billy Boyd, Dominic. Billy Moynihan. Boyd, that's the one who's Dominic Moynihan, Billy Boyd, Elijah, and uh, Sean Astin. But uh, and I think they're all really good. I mean, particularly Sam. I love Sam. Yeah, uh, He's and which such is a wholesome character. Which is funny because of you know again because they've been talking about Lord of the Rings and, and it's getting to that. I remember reading something recently and uh, Sean Astin was just like, yeah, I just remember being kind of called to task by. Peter Jackson just kind of said that take just didn't believe it. And he was like, he was heartbroken because he was like, I try. And then he was like, but no, this was, you know, these are the things that made me step up in this film. 
Um, and then, yeah, I mean, Viggo Mortensen was literally cast at the last minute. Mm. You know, Stuart Townsend was supposed to be Aragorn, and then it got switched. Now I look at it, and I'm like, dude, you would not have done a good performance. I can't imagine it. And Viggo Mortensen, I'm like, oh, just fantastic. I mean, that's the thing. There was a lot of unknowns, uh, you know, from an acting perspective, you know, if you hadn't seen them in, in little things to watch them all together. I mean, who didn't know Isaria McAllen at this point? You know, yeah, quite. He's, you know, he's British royalty, essentially. And he was Magneto as well, so, you know. Um, yeah. But just to watch this whole ensemble cast and watch Hugo Weaving in there as well. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, weirdly playing, you know, because he was more famous for Matrix around this time, so baddie, yeah. baddie. Yeah. And then you see him as this ultimate pacifist yeah. in Elrond. It's a really interesting... Again, that was the first time where I went, oh, you're not a one-dimensional bad guy actor. Yeah. You, you've you actually got some range. You're actually yeah. quite good. Yeah. Uh, Liv Tyler. Uh, yeah, she's really she, good. You know, well. I mean, she's always been a bit of a, you know, a crush. And, you know, I remember the Aerosmith videos from way back yeah, when. Yeah, she yeah, was yeah. just going, beautiful woman. No um, and, um, you know, Evangeline Lilly obviously went and did Toriel in, uh, in The Hobbit. Uh, it yeah. was basically went, we want to live Tyler again, so we're just putting you in. Because, but unfortunately, Liv Tyler just couldn't be lived up to there. Uh, Kate Blanchett, she's just stunning in this, and that's oh. the, you know, uh, you know, Gimli's thing, and it's just like, oh, I, I've looked upon that, which is most fair. Uh, never again will I say beauty unless it's I think of her, kind of a thing. Yeah, and all the answers were with a lock of her hair. Uh, yeah, a, a strand of her hair. She gave me three. Yeah. I don't... Oh man. There's so much emotion in this, and yeah. I'm like, no, you're this is right. a fantasy you... film. What? Talking about, uh, you know, the, the emotion at the, uh, it's it's always the bit of the, right at the end of the first film, mm-hmm. where Sam, where he rescues Sam, and they're on the boat, and he's like, no, Frodo, no, Mr. Frodo, I made a promise, I intend yeah. to keep it, yeah. and he's got tears in his eyes, and I'm sitting yeah. there going, oh my God, this is yeah. heartbreaking. And then it's so nice. And then for me, for me, it is because again, for me, it's the scene after. It's where Legolas is about to push the boat in, and he's just like, "We can get it to the other shore." And Aragorn just stands there, and he's like, "You mean not to follow them?" And he's like, "No, their 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 fate is no longer ours." And he's like, "Oh, the fellowship is failed." And he's like, "No, not as long as we stand true to each other. We're not going to let our friends be succumbed to torment and torture." Go and go. Just let's, and it's just that, just that punch. And then, and I've got to give it uh, the the soundtrack, Howard Shaw. Oh yeah, fantastic. And, and, fantastic. and it's every mark. You know, like I say, as soon as he gets there, he's like, "No, as long as we stay true to each other." And then he turns up on that soundtrack, and I'm like, oh. "I I love this soundtrack." I yeah. said before, I, I listen to this. I listen to the soundtrack and go, "I know yeah. exactly which scene this is." Yeah, yeah, same here. I've still got this, all three film soundtracks on my Just iTunes phenomenal. to listen to. Um, yeah, it, like you say, the, picking a bit specifically for me that where the soundtrack plays a key role for me is a lot of that Galadriel scene because again, Galadriel has this almost quiet menace behind her. Mm-hmm. I don't think she's menacing necessarily, but she she understands the terror that they faced and is almost trying to present some of that to them to prepare them. But the music, the way it swells and drops and, and and goes through those sequences and the sort of the tantalizing the strings where you're just it's right on the edge and you're thinking, oh, is she going to do something bad? And 
it's so so good. And then, and like you said, and then you see the scene where you know she interacts with Gimli, and uh, he's just like, oh, "You're beautiful," and she just has that quiet giggle, and I'm like, "Yeah." Just so innocent that, like, it just, yeah, it plays so it's well. Um, the Hobbit theme, you know, just... And I can just hear all the beats in my head, and yeah. I'm like, it's so yeah, yeah. uplifting uh, and so pleasant. You know, the Rivendell theme. And, and the, such rich music in this was so important. If we go back about John Williams doing, you know, all the best films. Howard Shaw did three fantastic films and there are bits in the later ones. I, I won't touch on them because we'll get to there. But, you know, uh, with Rohan and then with Gondor, he's introducing the individual themes of the different regions and stuff. Yeah. All of this was just fantastic. Yeah, it was. Absolutely brilliant. Um, I'm trying to think of shots. Oh, the, I remember the one shot which um, I saw it for the first time and just thought, they're really putting the role into this. And it's just before the final fight commences. And... Yeah. Um, Frodo's sword lights up and Aragorn's like, run. And then he stands there and then he just faces a horde of Urukai. And he's just facing a horde and he just kind of brings his sword up. And then that sequence begins. And then it's just as we begin to move down the hill. And it's the hill shot. I don't know if you remember it. And it's basically this camera, which is clearly craned. And it's just moving down this hill. And you're seeing the Urukai running down the hill. And you're seeing the guys fighting. And I'm just... This is the point for me. I was like, this isn't just a fantasy film. They've done something special here. The way that they've intricated the miniatures and everything else into this, this is something special. And we, you know, we were mocking it when we were seeing the trailers because we were like, oh, I don't know whether this is going to be any good. And by, by the end of coming out of that, I was like, okay, yeah, I'll eat my own words on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We've certainly proved, proved uh, wrong if we ever doubted it. Um, the effects, I think, is worth touching on because, uh, again, for anyone that doesn't know, back in the day, uh, Weta Workshop or Weta—I'm not sure how to pronounce it exactly—but they sort of this was their big break. I think this and did they work on Transformers as well, and do the trans uh, the first Michael Bay Transformers? I have a feeling they did, and they did a Citroen car advert as well. I think with the Transformer thing in it as well, but. Um, yeah, this was sort of their big thing, and I mean, it stands up as well as anything from the time does. I think yes, it stands up to anything where, today. Yeah, it, it, you know, yes, you can see where it's CG. I would argue you still can these days in films when it's CG. You you know when it is because the the one thing we've not got right yet is weight and the weight of people mm. and how much people weigh because you can tell people are moving too floatily or too lightly as they go. And I mean, again, okay, let's touch on that. The effects to have uh, Legolas walking on the snow mm-hmm. while everyone else is buried in the snow. Mm-hmm. All the effects they did to make the hobbits smaller than normal people. It's uh, all just fucking camera trickery. Jonathan Rhys Davies. He's a pretty big guy. Like, yeah. You know, he's pretty large and he's pretty tall. And he's one of the shortest amongst them. How are you yeah. dealing with them? I mean, Sir Ian McKellen has the luxury of being a pretty tall gentleman in, in real life anyway. Mm. But being able to do all of this, yeah. And again, like you, you see the hobbits, and they're fully sized, and you know they talk about, uh, you know, how much makeup they had to go in for their feet every day and stuff. Yeah. It, it was a running joke about their feet, but you look at it and go, but but that's because you look at a shot and it's real. Yeah. There's there's not 
too much CGI imposed straight away. And we all know that, the, unfortunately, when it got to The Hobbit, he wasn't in charge of it to begin with. So he kind of, he was just running at that point, trying to get The Hobbit made. Whereas I think if he'd have had the time that he did with Lord of the Rings, the product would have been so much better. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, because, I mean, we know, I, 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 was it 18 months they shot film in this? Or was it two years or something? Oh, they something probably like went back and did reshoots. Yeah, that was it. I mean, how, how do you go up to an actor and go, right, for the next year and a half, I'm sorry, but you're going to live in another country and you're going to film three films back to back. They did not get paid a lot of money to star in this film. Um, it was a passion project for a lot of them just went, okay, this could be my break into Hollywood. And then, you know, yeah, you could say, and then some for, you know, several of them. Um, but the, the technologies that they developed while making it, loads of people do the comparisons of um, trilogies. You know, you can't compare. I think it's in Clerks too that somebody goes in and uh, they, you know they start saying, "Oh, the Lord of the Rings trilogy is better than the Star Wars trilogy." You can't mm. compare the two. The, the two trilogies in completely different realms. But one thing that each trilogy did is it pushed the envelope of the technology at the time. Um, yes, Star Wars did very much so, and so did this, um, including miniatures and CGI. And like you say, there there are. Oh, hundreds of hours on the dvd box sets and blu-ray box sets now and they've just released the 4k edition as well yeah which is a, a remastered edition which he and again i love that peter jackson went i've watched the hobbit now and i've watched the lord of the rings trilogy you know what really annoyed me is that uh the color palette wasn't really the same throughout it's like i want it to be one continual so i went back and redid all six films jesus christ he went back and redid all six films because he wants to have the same kind of colorization because he's like, it really peaked here and it really dipped there because things were changing. And he's still a perfectionist on these films that he goes back and redoes that. Hmm. That's crazy. I didn't know that. I, I think the biggest thing for me watching this is, is and, and a, a, what, another reason why it stands up so well is um as you say you know it's to do with the time they had into it but it's the the level of attention to detail that that absolutely sells it for me uh, more times than not so mm -hmm. let's take um a very early scene that that is uh, an example um when gandalf is coming into the shire and frodo sees him and you see frodo from his perspective you see gandalf and he runs over and he jumps onto him and gives him a hug and you see elijah wood's head but then it comes around to the front. You see, it's quite clearly, uh, uh, you know, uh, it's quite clearly not Elijah Wood hugging him. It's someone who's shorter than Elijah Wood. And it's like, how, you know, the level of thought that you need to have on, on, on that, the, the attention to detail and to go, no, let's use an actor. Let's not CG it mm -hmm. to make that choice as well. Mm -hmm. You know, let's use Elijah Wood and just paint his legs out. No, let's not. Let's actually do it properly so I can see that that is a real person that's hugging Gandalf because then you're selling it to me. Yeah. And the other thing I noticed is what I can only describe as dirt under the fingernails. Anytime yes. you see a person's yes. hand in yes. that film, it's filthy. Yeah. Or, you know, it's, uh, I'm thinking particularly of Aragorn. There's a few times you see yeah. his hands and he's got little cuts on his knuckles. 
you know, with a, that are bleeding or that have got fresh blood on them. And he's got dirt on his hands and dirt under his fingernails and, you know, teeth. No one has shiny white teeth in that film. Nor should they. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's that level of attention to detail. Like I say, particularly the hands. To think, all right, we're going to have a close-up of your hands now. Oh, shit, no, they're too clean. Let's, you know, we've got to make up them a little bit. I just, you know, part because part of me hopes that that isn't the case. Part of me hopes that those those little grazes on his knuckles are from where he was using the sword in a scene and it went yeah. wrong and he grazed his knuckle. Yeah. And, and he's got yeah. dirt under his fingernails because they've been acting, running around a forest. Yeah, it's just been, just been practising and... It is the the attention to detail that Peter Jackson went into this with was was absolutely the thing for me is you can take it right back to the beginning is Hobbiton itself and the yeah. Shire, the fact that he built holes into the goddamn ground and allowed it to grow over months so that it looked natural. You have plants all over the place; it looked natural. It's it not looks a CG. Like, it, it looks like a real village that you would exactly like go. It looks you, like a real place. Yeah, it looks like a place that I would happily go. You know what? There's a B and B here. Stay for the weekend. It looked yeah. fantastic. <laughs> um, the details of the, the the houses when you go in uh, to uh, Bilbo's house, and just all the stuff all over the place, which obviously is nod backs because you see the you know the the map from the Misty Mountains. Uh, and you see these little things, and Gandalf trying to walk through. Now, yeah, bumping his head. Correct, correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't there a certain person's house that I walk into and do that exact same thing every fucking time? There is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Every time I come into your goddamn house, I hit myself on that exact same lamp that they've got hanging up. It's like I'm walking into fucking Bilbo's house. Um, I like to say, if you could come to my house at the minute. Well, yes, say. yeah, it's been yeah, it's good been old awesome. lockdown three, the final insult. Yeah. Um, um, but again, to go to go to the detail of going right. I'm sorry, sorry, McKellen. You're going to have to be massive, but this place is going to be really small. Um, you're just going to, uh, but just allowing that to play off. Um, having the the late great Serene Holm as well playing uh, this truly lovable Bilbo. Um, he was so such a lovable guy and. You know, just the bit where he's just like, hey, it's my 111th birthday. And you're like, he sounds like he's a little bit drunk. And he might well be. Like, fair play. Um, again, we may talk about The Hobbits at some point. And I do like Martin Freeman, but he just, he didn't, he didn't have that likability that Ian Holm brought to that character, sadly, for me. No, I agree. I, uh, yeah. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of The Hobbit ones. I don't, I can't put it my finger on why, but. As we discussed before we started on this whole thing, I had gone back and rewatched them, and I've I found a little bit more of an appreciation for them. Perhaps I've just switched my brain off and just went, I'm in lockdown. I might as well just enjoy everything I'm watching. Um, but I have found a little bit more of a pretty. But we'll we'll hopefully catch on those at some point. Maybe you'll go back and revisit them once you've watched these. Even may wish to go back and uh, and watch them as well. Um. Yeah, that was. I kind of don't where, don't know where to go now. I had three things written down: cast effects and detail. So mm. <laughs> we've uh, kind of gone through all of them. Uh, um, no, I mean, I think the thing is, is that you say about the detail, and it it, it was every in every sense of the word, um, from the the detail of music uh, to the detail of the acting to the detail of what's on screen. 
but it was the fact that it wasn't just little things that they 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 did well on. How many Oscars did these films win? Like the final film cleared the fucking board in yeah, every category, and the attention to detail for costume, which isn't something that I really necessarily consider. How many fantasy kind of programs and things like that are out there now or, or films? And you look at them and go, you just look that you've just taken that fresh off the rack. Whereas I look at this and I'm like, you look like you've been living and breathing in that outfit for weeks on end. It looks organic. It looks real. Um, Serena McKellen's beard. I mean, my beard's getting a little, little bit long, but not bit by no, no way is it a Gandalf beard. The man, I've got to give the man credit for for sporting that beard and long hair because it's not easy to keep that shit clean and and you know tidy. So, was that the real hair? I have no idea. It looked badass though. So you know, I'm just thinking like because if you look at Christopher (laughs) Lee, it's far more obvious that wearing a wig, but. We forget you forget Sir Christopher Lee and, and yep. Serena McKellen side by side doing yep. doing one of the most brutal battles in all of film history. Yeah. And they're not even hitting each other. Which <laughs> is fantastic. Um that bit where he spins him round on his yep. head. Oh, I love that. The way they did that was incredible. Because again, it looks fantastic. And these aren't two spry guys in their thirties or forties. That to to be able to put on that kind of an action thing was again you said about the detail for Frodo jumping in and hugging Gandalf, mm. uh, you know Gandalf and you know Saruman beating each other with sticks and making that look real, fantastic. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay. Yeah, I can't read it much else. <laughs> uh, obviously, there's more to talk about, but we'll we'll cover we, we, that in yeah. other films. Yeah, we'll, and I, uh, I definitely yeah, don't think it. we should launch into another one now because that will make this episode really long. So, oh no, 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 no! Let's call this a big catch up and a, a, an entrance into the Lord of the Rings territory. Sounds good to me. Cool. Well, thank you very much, everyone. Uh, next episode, we will be back. Uh, like I say, it's probably going to be around Always Sunny or. Uh, some more Lord of the Rings. So we will catch you next time. Uh, For now, I've been Bav. I have been Fluff. And this has been Screen Masters.